It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Sue Schaefer has such a cute name for her quilting business that it caught my attention and I was excited to chat with her. After having many different jobs and getting so much experience, she now feels fortunate to be able to do what she loves. What an encouragement to hear her say, we do better as we know better. So glad I get to spend time with you today, Sue. Thank you, Paula. I was so surprised when I got your phone call the other day. It's a real honor that you called me and asked to be interviewed, and I thank you very much. Well, your name has popped up a few times in my feed, so I have been noticing you, and I wanted to get to know you. I appreciate that. Uh-huh. Let's start with where were you born and raised? Fulton County, Illinois. Never was far from Fulton County, Illinois my whole life. So did you move around in the county or are you pretty much in one town? I was born in Canton and from Canton the next day after I was in the hospital, my mother <laughs> had me and we went back to our home, which was in Sipo, Illinois, which is a little teeny tiny spot <laughs> not far from the river. And from there, I lived with my grandmother and my great aunt off and on throughout my lifetime. Then my mom was remarried, and we moved to Little America, Illinois. I went to school at Pritchard Clark, which was a little three-room school between Pritchard Clark and Liverpool, depending on which grade we were in, which town they bused us to. And, of course, a lot of consolidation back in then. I was born in the early 50s, and a lot of consolidation for high school. So I went from eight or nine of us, I can't remember now, out of eighth grade into a class of 99 into high school. So it was quite a cultural change for a young gal. <laughs> and then my husband and I live in Havana, Illinois, and that's where we raised our kids. Back in 93, we had a real bad flood and 22 homes of us were lost. And believe it or not, we were a mile and a half or close to two miles from the river, but we live on a natural aquifer and it came up and flooded the majority of the town and the subdivision we lived in. There was 22 homes of us that all lost our homes. But anyway, we recouped from that and life goes on. Wow, that's major. Well, I'm going to jump back here. Do you have a special childhood memory? Today, I would have to think about because it's so hot here. We have actual temperature of in the high 90s, and our heat index is like 108 or 110, I heard him say earlier today. So I think back when we lived in a mobile home, my folks did, we didn't have any air conditioning, and there's nothing like a old hot tin box of a mobile home in the summertime to keep it cool at night. Dad worked second shift, and he would come home from work at night, and he would turn the garden hose on with a sprinkler and that would go outside our bedroom windows and the fan would bring in that cool air but like I said dad worked second shift so my aunt and uncle didn't live far from where dad worked at the coal mine and in the afternoons when daddy went to work he would take us up to my aunt and uncle's house and in their little house 
they had a one-room air conditioner in the living room. They kept all the shades pulled and the doors were covered with blankets that led to that room. And I can remember walking into that room and laying down on the living room floor and just falling asleep because it was so cool in there and so dark. Anyway, that's a memory that comes up today. Wow. How innovative of him to think to use the sprinkler. That is so neat. Yeah. Dad was pretty handy about figuring things out. He was a mechanic all of his life and worked for the coal mine. Besides your quilting business, have you had other employment? Yeah, all my life I've worked. I think being a child of the 50s, we kind of always made our own way. There wasn't always jobs throughout my lifetime. I started taking in ironings for my aunt when I was nine years old and then one of my uncles. So I ironed as a child to earn money. And when I was 13, I went to work in a restaurant just up the road from us, waiting tables and doing dishes and stuff. Then during high school, I worked third shift at a nursing home. So I become a CNA then at that time. After high school, I went to school for key punching and I key punched for a few years. And I worked in Walker's rolling barrels of whiskey. Then I went to International Harvester and made plowshares. And after that, I was director at the YWCA, the Aquatics and Leisure Director, because I'm an avid swimmer. Well, I was an avid swimmer. I'm getting too old to do it now. And then later in life, I installed swimming pools and hot tubs. And my husband was a licensed plumber, and he did heating and air conditioning besides that. And we ran a business for many years doing that. In the slow times, I would go help take care of people and clean houses, and I've done about everything in my life. (laughs) Wow, that's a lot. I don't think everyone knows what key punching is. you want to explain that for me? Yeah. Back in the day, the computers took up a whole room. I mean, a huge, huge room. And we had cards that we key punched on there, and we put in the information and then the guys or the gals would usually they were men back then they would feed those cards into that computer and then that's how the computer got its information so (laughs) that was long time ago yeah we've graduated the laptops now and our phones we carry a computer with us every day it's amazing back then we never would have thought of what we could do today absolutely We kind of covered where you live now and how you got there. Is there anything about your family you want to share? I met my husband at one of my jobs years ago, and we have seven kids all together. He has three kids from a previous marriage. Then we have two together, and then I had two from the previous marriage. So the kids are here, there, and everywhere. We've got them from California to locally, so they're just spread out everywhere. With them being so far apart, does it ever work to all get together? It hasn't for a few years because of COVID. COVID has really restricted a lot of family gatherings. So, no, we get together with one or two at a time, and that's about it. They all have jobs. They have careers, and their kids are grown now. You know, the grandkids are all grown, and the grandkids are spread out. (laughs) And so it's really, really tough. I think the last time we got together, 
I used to do a vacation every few years that we would all go together as a family. And the last one, we went on a float down at Missouri. And that's the last time the majority of us were all together. It's just hard. The grandkids are grown and they have lives and, you know, husbands and wives and everybody's just so spread out. It's just tough. Yeah. When the grandkids were all in high school and we had a big dinner and they all come home and they had their boyfriends and their girlfriends. And one of my boys is that, well, two of them are pretty good sized guys, you know, and then the boyfriends or girlfriends and some were husbands and wives, spouses at that time too. And it was like, they all were there and we had a big house at the time. And I told my husband, I said, oh my gosh, it was just overwhelming to me because all of these adult people and big people, you know, I don't mean heavy set. I mean, just big grown up people. It just felt like the house was so full, you know. Well, what a great idea to take a vacation and have everyone together. We would like to do that again. But like I said, everybody's spread out so far. Yeah. Besides quilting, are there other crafts that you have done or that you do? Yeah, I used to do a little, I dabbled in paint, you know, and I dabbled in woodworking. Done a lot of mediums over the years, you know, and ceramics. I did macrame back when that was popular. And I had no kids, and I think I made macrame plant hangers for everybody (laughs) because that was just the big deal then. I've probably tried about every medium there is, and I settled on fabric. I used to make Santa Clauses and snowmen and scarecrows and what have you, you know, and then I got into quilting. And that does it, doesn't it? It does. Once you get into quilting, everything else goes by the wayside, I do believe. (laughs) (laughs) How about any other hobbies? I love to read. When I first opened the business, that was one thing I was really, really missing was reading. And my daughter put me onto Audible, and that really was God sent for me because I could go ahead and I could work on my quilts, you know, whether I was long arm quilting or I was piecing and still listen to my books. As I'm older now, I love my Kindle paper white. So I just love to read. So I do a lot of reading or listening to books. And I like to swim. I don't get to swim like I used to, but I do like to swim. Well, being such a swimmer, were you on a swim team? No, you know, back in the day, they didn't have girls do that. But later in life, when the kids were grown, my husband and I were on a dance team. We both loved to dance. We even danced at the Wild Horse Cafe in Nashville, Tennessee on TV, if you remember when that was on. (laughs) They invited our dance team down there to dance. So that was our 15 minutes of fame back in the day. (laughs) How cool. I hope you have a copy of that. You know, we do someplace, but it was on an eight-track tape. (laughs) That's how many years ago it's been. (laughs) And I don't know where it's at. I'm wondering, we were talking about that a few years ago when we downsized from a big house to a smaller house. And I told my husband, I said, you know, when we were moving, we went through so much stuff. And I said, I'm not so sure that that didn't go with a bunch of other eight-track tapes that we had and wound up at the goodwill. And he said, no, he thought it was around there somewhere, but we haven't thought about that for a long time either. (laughs) Life goes in phases, you know. It sure does. Do you think any of your hobbies or crafts 
show up in your quilting? Probably not so much anymore as it did. I used to draw a few years ago, five years ago, I guess it was. I quit doing custom quilting and just do edge to edge now. But back then, yeah, I would draw things on quilts for customers and for myself. But that's been like five years ago. I had surgery on my arm. And once I had surgery on my arm, I was pretty limited at what I could do as far as long arm quilting free motion. So anyway, it's all computerized today. We never know what's going to happen in the future, do we? No, and I don't think I would want to know what's coming down the road, <laughs> to be honest with you. Did someone introduce you to quilting? Yeah, um, gal in Canton, Illinois. She had a quilt shop over there, and I would go in and buy fabrics from her. Her name was Perline, and I would buy fabrics from her to make my shanty closets and what have you. But anyway, she kept on me about coming in and taking a class. And I go, oh, Perlene, I don't think I could ever do that because her stuff was oh so beautiful. I'm not so sure she ever finished a full quilt in her whole lifetime, but she knew every technique there was to know. And she was just awesome with techniques. So anyway, she finally talked me into taking a class. Well, that class was way above my head at that time. I never did finish that project. I had been watching grandkids while their mommy and daddies were working. And they ended up getting a babysitter that was closer to home and easier for them. Anyway, Pearlene wanted me to come in and help her. So I went in and helped her a few days every week. And then the kids lost their babysitter. And I went back to watching the grandkids then for them. I kept wanting to buy in stuff and everything. Then a little later, she wanted me to buy her business. And I told her, no, I didn't want to own a quilt shop. I didn't know enough about it. In the meantime, though, I had continued to do piecing and I'd sent a few quilts out to have them quilted, and I just wasn't happy with them. Then a friend of mine, she decided she was going to open a quilt shop after Perlene closed. She asked me if I'd come and help her out, and I said, yeah, I'll come help you because grandkids were in school by that time. So I went to help her out. I told her, I said, now, I don't know how long I'll stay because I said, I want to buy a long-run quilt machine. Are you going to buy one? And she said, no, I don't want to buy one. And I said, well, I'm thinking about buying one. And I had this building uh, where my studio is now. I'd had that building since 1982. And my husband had run his plumbing shop out of it. And I had run my pool and spa shop out of that building. But we kept it over the years after my husband went to work for somebody else in 92, just before the flood. That time, we started renting it out to other people. And in 2003, I think it was, yeah, 2003, I was talking about buying a long arm again and decided to buy one. So then I moved it into my studio. So that's how I got here. <laughs> Whether you made it or somebody else made it, do you have a favorite quilt? Yeah, probably any traditional quilt. I'm not much on sampler quilts. I prefer just basic blocks get can be arranged to make a second or even a third design in a quilt. Any traditional type quilt I love. And I think I noticed that you had Civil War reproduction. Do you tend to lean toward that or just any fabric in those quilts? I'm a reproduction girl through and through. Like I said, I like traditional in my shop, I carry a ton of 1800s reproductions. 
homespuns. I have a huge, huge collection of homespuns and shirtings, which are from the 1800s. But then I like the 20s and 30s too, and I carry a lot of 20 and 30s fabrics. I do carry some more modern type fabrics too, but my heart is in the more traditional, darker colors. While you're working on your quilts, do you have a tool that you're so happy that you have? Well, that's really kind of a hard one because I feel very fortunate to have access to all the tools that we do have to use today. Everything from the rotary cutter and my mat clear through to the nice needles I use for hand binding. I guess all the tools from start to finish. I just feel so blessed that I live in a day and age that we have such convenience. I remember my great-grandmother and my aunt drawing around cardboard for the pieces and cutting them out with the scissors. And my great-grandmother let me do that for her as I got older and was able to handle scissors. So I feel very fortunate. Do you have a favorite part of the process or do you like each step along the way? I truly love all of it. I think I would have to say I really enjoy the hand binding the most. It's the most rewarding to have that finished item sitting in my lap, whether it's something that I have done or something that someone else has created. They took a bunch of small pieces and they put them together and it's been layered, it's been quilted, and now is time to put the frame on that quilt. And I really enjoy sitting in the evening with that quilt on my lap and either having a movie on TV or having a book on my phone listening to it. I like all of the steps to get it from that raw material to that finished quilt, but I think the binding I like the best. I find that question exciting because it seems like people are either going to say they love the binding or they hate the binding. There doesn't seem to be a middle ground. I've heard the same thing. You're right about that. Can you describe your worst quilting experience? I have to think about that for a second. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I've had three Gamel quilting machines in my lifetime, and I still have two of them. The very first one that I purchased, I spent a lot of time thinking about what machine to purchase. The dollar amount is no small amount when you purchase a long arm machine. I had went to several quilt shows back in 1999, 2000, 2001, 2002. I went to all kinds of shows trying out different machines, and I had decided I wanted a gamble. So I drove down to Missouri and purchased it down there. I didn't purchase it at a show. I drove down and tried all of them that they had there. And I settled on one, and I really, really liked it. I was just really going to town on their machine and really enjoying it. Well, a few weeks later, they delivered my machine. It was a whole catastrophe getting it set up. The fellow, <laughs> he fell out of the back of the truck right from the get-go. <laughs> and setting it up, he was having a terrible time. And it was a good thing my son was here because he helped a lot <laughs> to try to get the guy straightened out. But anyway... We finally got it up and running. He was supposed to give me a class on it. He decided he didn't have enough time. So anyway, away he went. And I started playing on it. Oh my gosh, it shook so bad. It just shook and shook and shook. I was so disappointed and so upset because it didn't run smooth like the machines that I had tried over the past few years. 
So I kept calling Gamble, and that was at the time when Gamble was getting rid of it and selling it to somebody else. But anyway, it went on, and I was going down to Linda Taylor's to take a class down in Texas. So I told them about the problem I was having with my machine, and she said, bring it down, my husband will look at it. So I loaded it up in the back of the van, and away I went with it. And he looked at it, and he said, well, I think you've got two harmonics in it. He said, I think you're just going to have to learn how to sew in between those two harmonics. And he said, all machines have one, but yours has two. Well, I was having such a difficult time with it after I got it back. So there was a show down Springfield. So I decided, well, I'm going to go down there, and Gamble will be there. And I'm going to talk to him and ask him if anybody bends through this close to me in the area, if they could come and look at it. So I went down there, and there was a young fellow from Wisconsin that was selling machines at that time for Gamble, and he's no longer a dealer. They lost a good fellow, I think, when they lost him. But anyway, I started talking to him and telling him about it, and he said, you know what? He said, I'm coming through near your area, and he said, I'll stop and look at your machine for you. So he stopped and looked at it, and by golly, he figured out what was wrong with it. He went in there, and he put weights on it. There's a big bar down between those machines, and it just straightened that machine out just so smooth. Well, come to find out, he told me after that, he said that there was a lot of people that was having the same problem that I was, and they had talked all over from one dealer to another dealer to another dealer and figured out it needed that weight in there. So anyway, after they got it straightened out, but I was sure disappointed for several months because I thought, oh my gosh, I've spent all this money, and I couldn't afford to buy the machine and just quilt for myself. I knew I was going to have to quilt for hire to pay for it. So I was so thankful that that kid figured it out and we got it straightened out. But it was a few months. I was really physically ill over the whole thing. So I think that's the worst experience that I had. But the squeaky wheel did get the grease. So <laughs> it ended up being okay. I love all my machines. I bought two more gambles after that. So it's a great machine. Well, to keep on that, that's really something. I bet you were just tempted to pack it all up and send it back. Well, <laughs> well, I told him I really want my machine fixed because I knew that it had to be something, either my machine and, yes, give me another machine. I still knew I wanted to gamble because I had tried them all. And at that time, gamble really, really was the best on the market. So, no, I didn't want to give up the Gamel name, but I was ready to give up the machine, you bet. But I still wanted the machine. <laughs> this question kind of digs a little deeper. What do you think has drawn you to quilting rather than spending your time on the other crafts? I think it's the puzzle part of it. I think cutting little pieces up and putting them back together like you would a jigsaw puzzle, because I've always enjoyed puzzles, too. I think it's that process of taking the fabric, using that as your medium. It's not like wood. It's not stiff. You've got to make it stiff, you know, <laughs> with your spray starch and cut up those little pieces and put it back together like a puzzle. And whether it's a utilitarian quilt that I get out of it or a show quilt, which there I'll back up a little bit because I do not do show quilts. Some of the quilts that I've filled for people, they have had them in shows and they have one ribbons for them. But as far as myself, I've never wanted to be in competition with anybody. I just enjoy the process of it. So I think the puzzle part of it, I believe. So then who do you tend to make your quilts for? Everybody and nobody. <laughs> the quilts mostly that I have made are my shop samples. 
I used to quilt for hire a year ago. I quit doing that. And I do three or four quilts a month for customers now. But mostly I just do the shop samples and they keep me about as busy as I want to be. I want to have time to do some special quilts for my kids, but they're so covered up with quilts because over the years, I'll have a sample and they'll see it and they'll go, oh, mom, when you get done with that, I want that. Well, when my daughters were at the childbearing age and my, my son's, Baby quilts they would give to friends for gifts after we didn't need them anymore for grandkids. And they've given some of my quilts to their friends as wedding gifts. And I've donated quilts. So I just make them for anybody and nobody and everybody. (laughs) And I think anybody who has a quilt shop or a long arm business, I think they'll tell you that your time is really limited to have any time left over to make personal quilts. That's what I'm hearing. What project are you working on right now? Right now I have a baby quilt that I'm piecing. And on my long arm, it happens to be a kid's quilt too. It's a ladybug quilt that I'm quilting. So those are the two projects right now. Please share a quilting tip. As a long arm quilter... (laughs) Over the years, I've had a lot of quilts that I've done for people that I say they have happy borders. That's because they've waved all through the quilting process to me. So I try to tell all my customers, I try to educate them about how to put a border on. So I tell them, be sure and take three measurements in that quilt, one down through the middle and one on each side, and then average that measurement and cut both of those borders that size. And then I'm the pinning queen. I use a bazillion pins in every quilt. So you want to find the middle of your quilt and find the middle of that border, and you want to pin that. You want to pin both ends of that border onto the quilt, and then you want to ease in in between those pins. You want to just keep pinning and pinning and pinning and easing in. So both your sides on, press them nice and flat. And then do the same thing for the top and bottom. Take those three measurements, one through the middle, one through the bottom, one through the top, average that, and cut those two borders the same size. And again, repeat the process. Find the middle of both ends and pin, pin, pin. That's a great tip. I was taught that early in my quilting, and I have not had a problem with the edges. So I know that's a great tip. Now, you would be surprised how many people still today will just cut the width of their border and then sew it on and lop it off on the ends, (laughs) and it makes those wavy, wavy borders. So that's an educational thing I do for all my customers that used to bring me quilts like that. I bet you've seen a lot of improvement in different people then. Oh, my, yeah. People like to pick on their own work, and I will say to them, okay, is this your last quilt? And they'll go, well, no. And I go, well, we do better as we know better. We all started someplace. Like anything in life, the more we do it, the better we are at it. I love that quote you just said. We do better as we... As we know better. And I think that's with anything in life. Mm hmm Tell me how you went from having quilting as a hobby to having it as a business. Well, I didn't start out to be a quilt shop. I just wanted a long arm. 
like I said earlier, I knew I couldn't afford one if I was just going to do it for myself. I was going to have to do it as a business. So I had my building where my studio is today. And I bought that first long arm and I put it in. And I was so, so, so fortunate. I had friends that would bring me their quilts and I would say, okay, I'm just doing it for practice. And no, 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 you're not, you're not, I'm going to pay you. And everybody always paid me. So those friends kind of goaded me into then having a business because I decided, well, I'm going to bring in a few wide backings. So I brought in a few of those. And then one of my friends said, oh, have you ever seen such and such line? It was a Barb Brackman line. And she said, did you ever see that? And I said, yes, I did. And isn't that beautiful? And she said, oh, why don't you order that? Bet you you'll get rid of it, you know? (laughs) So I did. And that was in 2003 when all this started. Well, a few years later, in 2006, I purchased a building a half a block from me right down on Main Street. And I transitioned the retail part of my business because I had grown out of my studio to have fabrics. And so I had transitioned into that building to have the retail part. And then my long arm business where my studio is because having the retail business and the long arm business in the same building, what was starting to happen was people would want to go to the back room and see what I was working on. Well, I would be working on a customer's quilt and I don't care who touches my quilts and who pets my quilts, (laughs) but I never liked for people to touch a customer's quilt because I didn't know if they had anything on their hands or just body oils and stuff. So I would keep cautioning people, oh, please don't touch. It's not my quilt. So I made that move in 2006. And then three or four years after that, I ended up, I had to buy the building right next to that building. And my husband remodeled that building and blew a hole in the wall so that we had the big building that we have now. So that's kind of how I started, you know, went from not having a quilt shop into having a quilt shop. And now today I have over 6,000 bolts of regular size fabric. We haven't counted for a while. The last count we had 1,500, but I'm thinking we're probably well over 1,600 wide backs now. So my suppliers tell me that I am the largest in the nation for 108 wide quilt backings. There's nobody else who has that many. That's kind of my claim to fame for my quilt shop. And I noticed people can go online to order those wide backs from you so they don't have to come into your shop if they're not near you. Exactly. Yeah. And the pictures are really pretty good online. They're pretty true. I only buy designer fabrics, so the quality is excellent in the wide backings. Just being in the business for 19 years, wide backs have come such a long, long way from what they were back 19 years ago. And the quality is every bit as good as the quality of our quilting fabric today. That's good to hear because I did hear before that they weren't as good. So that's great. I love the name of your business. So tell me the name and how you came up with that name. The name of the business is Ma's Got a Notion. And my husband actually named it because my kids called me Ma, family members. Whenever I would do or say certain things, my mom and a couple of my aunts would always say, okay, Ma Bennett because that was my great-grandmother, and I guess I act like her a lot. But anyway, it just kind of stuck, and my kids started calling me Ma when they started talking because they heard it, and my grandkids called me Ma. 
So you know how it is. Husbands kind of pick that up too when they're talking to you. So I was sitting looking at a magazine and the advertisement about the gamble machine was in there. And I had just lost the fellow who had rented my building from me. He had a Verizon store in my building and my building was empty. And I told my husband, I said, you know, if I'm ever going to buy a quilt machine and money was cheap at that time, you could borrow money pretty cheap at that time. And I said, if I'm ever going to have a long arm machine, I think now's the time to do it while I have the empty building. So he's sitting there listening to me rattle off and he goes, "Uh oh, Ma's got a notion. He's thinking idea for the word notion. <laughs> I'm thinking of no notion, notions, you know. So I said, oh, that's a great name. I think I'll just name my shop that. And like I said, I had not planned on it to be a quilt shop. I had just planned on it to be a long arm shop. Anyway, so the name stuck and that's how I got the name. Fun. I'm picturing your husband probably just grins when he hears that. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's been my best cheerleader. I'm very fortunate. He's been a good cheerleader. And you opened the shop in the 90s? I opened on October 31st, 2003. And that's, like I said, in the building that my husband and I, had, we had owned this building since 1981. Like I said, back then, he did plumbing and heating out of that business. And I installed swimming pools and hot tubs. So I had the building. It was paid for. And it was just an easy place for me to move into. Yeah. So did any of your pool customers become quilting customers? Yeah, a couple of them. They were customers. They were friends, and they were quilting customers. So, yeah, one led into another for two of them that I can think right offhand. So describe the feeling you had when your first quilting customer came in and bought something. I don't remember how I felt, but I do have that first dollar bill. <laughs> I made her give me change so that I could have a dollar bill in there. So I, I told her, I said, I'm going to frame this. And she got a big kick out of that. But throughout my lifetime, I always had some type of job, whether I was in business for myself or working for somebody else that I worked with people. It's always exciting to make a living out of something that you love doing. And I've been real fortunate that all the jobs I ever had, I really enjoyed doing. In later life, to finish up my life doing what I love, I just feel real fortunate. I love that. You mentioned and you made quilts for your shop. Personally, I like to make quilts that are unique and don't look like anybody else's. That's for me personally. But I've just come across some friends that they'll go into a quilt shop and see a quilt, and they want the kit. They want those fabrics in that design. Do you run into that? We kit a lot. We have kits of almost everything that we have hanging in the shop. If we don't have a kit left for it, uh, the sample that's hanging there, then we at least have the pattern, and we can pull it together. We just tell people we can make it read the same, but it won't be the same fabric. Because once we sell out of the kits, the fabric's gone because it is designer fabric. They used to maybe make one or two runs of fabric. Since COVID, we're down to where they're making one run of it because it's so hard to get it across the pond. All the fabric is made in Korea. I'll tell you a little history about that if you don't know. All of the big machines that printed the fabric used to be in China, but when they put in the Great Gorge, 
Korea came in and bought all of those big machines from them. And so now it's there. Right now, there's a trucker strike on over to Korea. So we're having a heck of a time getting some fabrics out of there now. But due to COVID and everything, and last three years have just been nutso years. So most of the companies now are making one run. So if you see a fabric you like today, by golly, you better snap it up because chances are it's not going to be there tomorrow when you go look for it. That's interesting and good information. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Well, Sue, is there anything else you wanted to share with me? Yeah. The Lincoln Quilt, Barb Breckman, the story's all in the little booklet that I send the copy out with the kit. Years ago, Barb Breckman went down to the Lincoln Museum and on the bed in the cabin in the museum there was a 30s quilt. <laughs> and Barb, being the historian that she is, thought, oh no, that just can't go on. So she went back home. She designed a quilt. She pieced the quilt and Deb Roden long arm quilted it for her because it's cross-hatched is what it is. And they would have cross-hatched and used a treadle machine back in those days to finish the quilt. But anyway, it's the quilt that would have been on Abe's father and his stepmother's bed. But anyway, a friend of mine come bringing in that little pamphlet of Barb's, and she said, oh, Sue, have you seen this? And I said, no, I hadn't. And we just fell in love with that quilt here. At that time, the booklets were available, and I um, kitted that. My daughter and I pieced it, and then I quilted it, and we kitted it. And we've sold several, several, several quilts over the years. Well, I had kind of forgotten about the quilt because I had taken it home after the last of the kits had sold out a few years back. And I'd taken it home and even used it at home. And my son called me one day and he said, Mom, he said, let's go down to the Lincoln Museum. He said, I haven't been down there for a while. And I said, "Okay, we'll go. So Sunday we took off and we went down there. And I seen that quilt on the bed and I go, oh my gosh, I forgot all about that quilt. I think I'll go home and dig it out and see about getting that pattern again. So I went home, I dug it out, brought it up to the shop, started looking out in the marketplace for that pattern. Couldn't find it anywhere. Got a hold of Barb Brackman and through a whole bunch of searching her and I both on both ends, found out that it was no longer in print. Well, Deb Roden happened to have copies of that. So I bought them full price from Deb, and Deb and Barb both signed them. So I re-kitted again, sold all of those. So I called Barb, and I said, that quilt is still so popular. Is there any way you can put that pattern back out in production? And she said, no, I'm not going to do that. She said, but I'll tell you what, I will give you rights to copy that. So I just pay her. I do a dozen at a time, and every time I make those dozen copies, then I send Barb off a check. It's a really fantastic quilt. I love history. I love from Civil War clear through both World Wars. I read a lot about those, and I enjoy that era. So anyway, if you're interested in having a reproduction quilt during the Lincoln time, we've got it at the shop. Great, and that will be your feature picture for this episode. Share with us where we can find your business. I'm at 305 West Main Street, Havana, Illinois. That's in Mason County. I'm right smack dab between Peoria, Illinois and Springfield, Illinois, and right along the Illinois River. My studio, which is half a block from my Main Street building, backs right up to the Illinois River. So 
Havana is a very, very pretty little river town. So if anybody that's out there listening to this, if you're coming through and going to Peoria or Springfield, I'm not that far from either big city. So stop in and see me. Great. Then share your website. My website is Moz Got a Notion. If you just type in Moz Got a Notion, there it is. And they can also use that to get directions to your shop. Yes, on Google, but the Apple map, and I've been trying to get them to change this, the Apple map will lead them to my studio and it will say closed permanently. (laughs) But I am not closed, but I can't get Apple to get that change for me. I keep thinking when I see my son-in-law, I'm going to have him figure it out for me because he's a real Mac person. So hopefully he can figure it out for me. But yeah, always Google it. Don't Apple map it. That's good to know. Sue, it was great to have you on A Quilter's Life. Thank you so much for sharing this time with me. Well, thank you. I just appreciate so much the phone call I got from you. That was a big surprise, (laughs) and I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Have a great day, and keep on quilting. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.